Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 80. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the jiu-jitsu black belt and serial entrepreneur, Jeremiah Grossman. Jeremiah is the founder and CEO of Bit Discovery. He is a published author writing extensively on computer security. He talked about practicing leadership. He also shared about the importance of balancing work and family time. And my takeaway from the interview came when we talked about failure, which inspired me to title this episode, Be Okay With Failure. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic that failure is not just acceptable, it's necessary for your personal growth. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Who's... The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Jeremiah Grossman. Jeremiah is a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu under Luis Erige. He is the founder and CEO of Bit Discovery. Jeremiah is a published author writing extensively on computer security and has been awarded several patterns for his work in computer security. He has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and the New York Times among the many media outlets that rely on his expertise. Jeremiah is married and the proud father of three children. Jeremiah, welcome to the podcast. It's, uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Good to meet you. Good to meet everybody. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, sir. So you are very busy man so how jiu-jitsu show up in your life uh by accident actually um i grew up in maui and uh i was always training kickboxing growing up but this was in the 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 mid to late 90s and jiu-jitsu really wasn't a thing in the united states yet um ufc started and in about 2003 maybe four i forget the exact year i was always a big fan of uh mixed martial arts and ufc watching the you know Hoist Gracie fight. It was always very inspirational. And a friend of mine said, uh, you know, we should go take a jujitsu class together. Seems like that's what's working. That's what's winning. So I, uh, I took a class with a, a coworker of mine. He brought me and I was instantly hooked, um, mostly because, you know, I come from a fighting background and a fighting culture. And the first thing, uh, you know, anybody that's been to a jujitsu class does is they, they pair you up and you spar. And I was, I'm a big person, I'm six foot two. And at the time I was very overweight. I was 300 pounds. And the first person he puts me up against is a 50 year old uh, woman grandmother who is half my size. And uh, she was a brown belt at the time. And he says, okay, go see what you can do. And, uh, and I was like a little confused because 
I go, well, I'm much bigger. I'm, I might hurt her. And I'm like, so I took it easy and we shake hands and then she instantly arm drags me. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And she goes right to my back and, and chokes me. And I was, I was stunned, shocked, but most importantly, my ego was hurt because I was going easy and she took advantage of me. And so the next time I was like thinking, okay, okay, I'm not going to make it easy. I'm going like to go after her this time. I do it again. We shake hands and she goes right to my back again and chokes me again. And this happens again and again and again for all two or three minutes of stamina that I had before I like, I, I couldn't do anything to this woman. I was going to be destroyed. And so class is over. I go to my car and I sit in the car and I was literally reflecting on my life and as myself as a man <laughs> going, how, I, how did this happen? I don't really understand how this happened, but it did happen. And I have to keep coming back and learn this because um, I can't go through my life knowing that I could be so easily handled. And uh, that was really the start. And that was my inspiration just to, to get better because there was something about jujitsu. There was something I liked. It was very hard and I needed to learn it. I don't. How do you feel jujitsu relates to life? Uh, I thought I knew a little bit about life, at least at the time. Um, jujitsu taught me a lot about life, about humility, about mentorship, about failure, about never giving up, always coming back. And a lot of what you're going to encounter in life, I found, happens all on the mat. You know, you're going to fail 99.99% of the time, day in and day out. But the ones who succeed, the ones who get better, and I only learned this, you know, by the time I got to black belt, that the only real difference I found between a black belt and the white belt is the, is the black belt has been doing it for 10 years and has tapped 100,000 more times than a, than a white belt. That's, that's really it. There's no magic to it. I'm, I'm not special. I just kept going back. Yeah. Now, uh, when did you get involved with entrepreneurship? When did you start your journey young? How was it? Um, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. My dad was always an entrepreneur and I was always helping him run companies from a very early age, from like eight, and just doing different jobs and helping him do that sort of thing. Um, when I moved away from Hawaii, I picked up a job at Yahoo way back when, which is another story we can uh, tell a little bit later. But what I learned at Yahoo, I could start a company around. So uh, my first big company was White Hat Security and it was to hack all the world's websites you know, for large companies and governments. and. Um, that company uh, grew really fast. So entrepreneurship was always part of my life. It was always something I was, I was going to do. I like building new things and solving problems and, you know, giving jobs and making money. So business has all the, all the things that I enjoy. So how old are you when you built your first one, like in your own? Uh, you know, I've been running small companies, but not at that scale since I was like 14 or 16, running web development companies, uh, graphic design. I think I was 23 or 24 when I founded White Hat Security, and uh, that lasted for 15 years. Um, that company was finally sold uh, in April of this year, so that was a, a really good outcome. You know, after a while, it was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people um, serving the biggest companies out there, so it was very successful. Right on. So how was the mindset back then when you started the company? Being young, you know, you're already involved with the, being an entrepreneur since young. So starting that project, how was the mindset back then? How did you deal with some of, some of the fears, some of the doubts that sometimes pop up and prevents a lot of people from starting their own business? And we have a lot of listeners who are in transition right now, people who sometimes are not even happy where they're at. They wish they would be doing something else but they kind of get overwhelmed with that fear to start a business. So how, 
how did you how was the process for you um yes just like you know if you go to jujitsu tournament or whatever you know, go onto the mat training with new people the fear is always going to be there it's never going to leave you and i find the fear the anxiety to be more of a welcome feeling now it means you're pushing the envelope you're getting out of your comfort zone which is where i think everybody needs to be so running a business can be incredibly risky and you'll risk every last dollar that you put into it um, but the risk with the risk also comes great reward. So how do you deal with it? Um, I, the only way I deal with it is to do my homework. I understand the work very well. I talk to all the customers and I do so daily. I try to hire the best people I possibly can and I'm working tirelessly at it, making sure that I'm second guessing myself at all times. I make decisions and I'm always looking at where to improve, where the mistakes are made and get better every day just like in jujitsu, just like in business, I'm always going forward and trying not to be uh, too full of assumptions. Right on. And what did you say is your worst entrepreneurial experience and what did you learn from it? Is it something um, early in your career, later, of course, there's always a struggles along the way, period. Uh, if if you're listening right now, or you're a business owner and you have a struggle at some point, you know, you will have, have some hard times. It's part of the deal. So uh, what was the, the struggle and what did you learn from it? So the uh, I've encountered every type of business problem that there is. And for me, the hardest one was uh, layoffs. Um, businesses will have great years they'll have bad years and everything in between. And there's not much you can do to help that. That's just the nature of business. Sometimes things go well, sometimes they don't. Now I've had to you know, hire people, I've had to fire people for a variety of reasons, but the layoffs were, layoffs were particularly hard because sometimes the business just doesn't go well and you have to cut your labor force by 10%, 5%, 20% or whatever it is. And I have to sit in front of people who have, that are good people, that are providing value, who have families to take care of. And because I've made mistakes in the business, I have to make them suffer by saying, I can no longer afford you and you have to go. And so those are on, on me psychologically, emotionally, were the hardest conversations because they didn't do anything wrong, but they're punished for things that I got wrong in the business. And it's just unavoidable. And what I learned from that is, is that you know, bad things happen sometimes, but as long as I try not to surprise anybody with bad news, usually it's okay. And I've not, never lost a friendship that way of having to let people uh, go in that way. But it's just, it happens and you have to make those, those decisions fast and as direct as possible. It's the only way. Now, as far as just trying to learn a little bit more about that, about your leadership skills, let's say, dealing with so long with this since you're young, do you, do you study about leadership? Do you feel that it's something that naturally you kind of uh, had some, but you actually try to you know, read more or learn more about leadership? I've read a lot of books on business, entrepreneurialism, you know, read biographies of other successful entrepreneurs, but I wouldn't say it's something that I really study. It's more something that I practice. Um, there's a difference between being a manager and being a leader. The type of person I want to be is I want to be a business owner with a vision, but I want to surround myself with as many hardworking people passionate people that are smarter than I am. And my job, well, yes, I give them a paycheck and you would think they work for me. 
I look at it differently. I work for them. I want them when they work for me to do the best work of their lives. That's the businesses I want to run. You come here to do the best work of your life. And when I meet with you day to day, week to week, I wanna know what's getting in the way of you doing the best work of your life because that's my job. My job is to remove every obstacle from you doing the best work of your life. And that's, that's the kind of leader, the kind of manager I wanna be. Because there's only so much I as a person can do as an individual contributor. I get much more leverage and much more productivity if I'm working for the people working for the company. Yeah, I feel that me as an entrepreneur or starting, let's say, teaching, I've been in the U.S. for 20 years, and I have mentioned this in, in the podcast before, I, I think leadership was one of the things that I, I think I didn't even realize I was a leader. It's just like I, I left school, uh, done with a college, and then moved to the U.S., and I'm teaching, and I'm, so, you know, not even realizing that, like, the my duties, let's say, as a leader, just like, oh, yeah, I teach and I take the guys to the tournament. And it's, but as kind of like the business evolved and things, the projects start growing, and then I started to learn more and I still learn, man, I still have, I like to say that I'm a, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a white, I want to be a white belting leadership forever. I want to keep learning, you know, uh, for, for a long time. Maybe I'll get a little stripe here and there, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I really know, like, I know that I have improved a lot the past 10 years, but that's something that I know that I think before I just didn't have the self-awareness, you know, of like the leadership of my, or really my role. And I think with uh, time, there's a few words that when I think about it, in my life that I didn't put like much thought to it and words like I have mentioned in podcasts too like delegation people ask me like do you know what delegation like yeah I know what delegation is but and and then when I start to get really into like do you really practice that like you said you know do you practice leadership and I'm like uh huh and then I start to notice like no I don't I, I I'm my level was very, very low on that. I, I need to learn more. And then different words. And I felt that leadership, it's, uh, it's one of them. they like probably for the past 10 years, that, that's when I became more self-aware of like, okay, let me learn more and, and be inspired by big leaders, great leaders too. And uh, I got a lot to learn with that, but I'm, at least I'm an open mind because I, I know I know that there's a lot to learn with uh, you know, from big leaders. And I think that's what keeps it interesting. What I wonder about for like the really high level black belts, you know, red and black belts, red belts, it's almost like, are they running out of things to learn and jujitsu for them might get a little boring. I wonder about that sometimes, you know, when I'm like, you know, in business or a lower belt, I have a lot more to learn that. And that's a good thing to look forward to. I really am concerned that maybe I'll get, you know, I, I really don't have this concern, but if I get too good at something, it's almost unrewarding because now I ha kind of have to stop. I have to go do something else now. <laughs> yeah, and in jujitsu, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 30 years now. And of course, I still learn. I mean, jujitsu has, has evolved so much in the past 10, 20 years. Now with online, people have access to so many things. And uh, you see jujitsu is becoming, in a way, like, skateboard and surfing they see tricks and they're like oh i want to do that so you see you know young kids doing some like crazy moves <laughs> that they just look online they look on youtube and boom they're they're doing it so um, 
for for many many years i was the main source of knowledge for my academy and i did all my studying because my coach uh, lives in brazil so i did all my studying as much as i could uh, vhs tapes and you know of competitions and and all that stuff and little by little it started to um, have more access internet and that kind of stuff and and now that I have multiple black belts and now I can learn from them. And nowadays, I mean, that's so many like tough purple belts, you know, even blue belts. They're going to show a little something that I'm like, huh, I've never seen this before, uh, you know. And so uh, it's consistently, consistently learning. Uh, and because, yeah, you can learn from everywhere, man. Exactly right. You mentioned the kids tournament and I was watching that. Uh, yeah, I have three kids and three children and they always, uh, they've always trained. And I remember going to a jujitsu tournament with them and I was watching some of the other kids and I was like, I was looking at them going, I want to be that good someday. You're like, let's watch the kids. <laughs> so, um, we're talking a little bit before the, the interview and uh, I was mentioning like, when you're in the process of building some of the big companies, are you still in the process of training jujitsu, going through your black belt journey with some huge responsibilities? And how do you balance all that? Maybe this is a, a good suggestion that you can give to the entrepreneurs as far as you're, you're able to keep your journey training, but with big responsibility family and so many things happening at the same time and still build successful businesses so suggestions that it can give to people uh, that's a really good question really important one and um i can't say that i'm really good at achieving balance i'm always imbalanced somewhere i'm working too much or spending too much time at home or too much on jujitsu so those are the three things for me family jujitsu and business and it's, I think, to putting in enough time for all those three things, you can find the balance of those three things, but I, for me, it's eliminating things in my life that take too much of my time that are not those things. It's a lot about what I don't do. Like, I don't watch TV or things like that. I watch very few movies. Um, I don't commute to work if I can help it. You know, not everybody has that ability. But I try to eliminate things that take up a lot of my time or, you know, going out at night, drinking bars and whatever else. I don't do those things. And to give it enough time, that means there's 24 hours in a day. So how do I maximize the time to my three passions, business, family, and jujitsu? And that is the closest I can do to achieving balance. Mm -hmm. And what did you say it's one habit that has helped you your whole life in jiu-jitsu for your family business, something that you practice daily? Um, I think it'll sound strange, but leisure and recovery are very, very important, um, especially as we get older. So for instance, I can, I can train, you know, hard, you know, four or five classes a week, you know, four or five, it gets hard any more than that. And I need to make sure there's enough time for to eat properly and to sleep properly. Otherwise, I don't recover. If I don't recover properly, then I risk injury. And then I'm out for weeks, if not months at a time in jujitsu. And the same thing in business. You have to be able to you know, take your vacations and your time off and reflect about the stresses that are going on with work and, and get your mind right so you can go back. If you're just grinding 12 hours a day every single day and not giving your mind a chance to recover and your emotions a chance to recover, you're going to injure your mind too, so to speak. And I, I think the recovery time matters a lot. For sure, the recharging, right? Yes. Recharging, definitely got to recharge the batteries. And 
Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the event? Because you promote an event, an annual event. What exactly, what is the name? I can't remember. It's the very, uh, uh, I guess how I say, very comically named the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Smackdown. It was just my own little thing. <laughs> um, what happened was, so I'm in computer security. And I started training jujitsu and I have to go to, you know, business meetings with people in suits and dress nicely. And I would always have abrasions on my face or black eyes just from like normal training, you know, cuts here or there or cauliflower ear or whatever. And uh, I'd have to explain myself like in an executive meeting, like, no, I wasn't fighting last night. I'm just training jujitsu. So I started blogging about my jujitsu experience and, uh, and people were very interested about what I was learning and, and wanted to try it. So I was at a conference one year. Um, for it was thousands of people at a conference and I decided you know instead of going out to parties with all the vendors I go and train jujitsu instead and I decided to take people with me from the conference other co-workers and colleagues from the industry and we would just take classes uh, year over year from different black belts that are in the area and then you know it was first it was two of us and then it was five and then it was ten and then I was like well um, this is starting to be more like a seminar class than it is just a regular outing. So I started to put it together a formal event for just computer security geeks in my industry. So I got together with Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner at his academy in Vegas and uh, also Kurt Osiander uh, in San Francisco. And I put together formal events. So you come, you do a class, you meet you know, colleagues, and it's kind of like a networking event. Imagine like it's a networking event for business, but we get to fight each other and learn jujitsu mm -hmm. and train with Forrest Griffin. Like it's the coolest thing ever. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> right. How long have you been doing that now? Uh, this next year will be uh, 10 years. So I've been doing a oh, long time. Man. So so I've been uh, introduced, um, I guess, hundreds, maybe thousands of people to jujitsu by now over the years uh, doing these things. And a lot of people have uh, stuck with it. You know, one of the people that I, you know, was a white belt at the time um, is now a black belt. They just, they stuck with it, you know, over that, that period. So uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Right on. So what did you say is the best advice you've ever received in any area? Oh gosh, so much. Um, I guess in business, one of the biggest uh, pieces of advice I got was from an old mentor of mine, the very first investor in one of my, uh, in White Hat Security, my earlier company. Um, he said, there's no doubt in my mind, you're going to make, you're going to be successful in business. The company will do well and you'll make a lot of money. But what happened with me when I made a lot of money is I wanted to play golf because golf is what I do. Um, my friends who didn't make a lot of money couldn't go with me on a Wednesday afternoon or whatever because they have to all go work. So he goes, when you run a business and become successful, make sure your friends also make money too so you have friends to go play with after you've made all the money. <laughs> so he goes, don't just focus on yourself, help your friends make money. And so that's one of the greatest pieces of advice. Right on. And now... Uh, what are, what did you say? It's um, maybe a suggest or advice that you give to the younger Jeremiah when you're, let's say, when you when you start your first company. Uh, maybe nothing that not that you want anything different, you know, in your life, but just based on your experience, you'll look back and maybe some of the uh, uh, inexperienced things that you you know we didn't know uh, back then, but you look now. What advice would you give to him? It sounds strange to think about now, but I think uh, it's to tell myself to trust myself more, trust my own skills, trust my own instincts, and don't put too much credibility into the, uh, the experience of others. Just because they're your elders, just because they have experience, doesn't mean that experience matters so much. Um, 
the way I like to put it is someone could have 20 years of experience or someone could have one year of experience 20 times. Beware of those people. People will tell you they have 20 years of experience or whatever it is, but it's really one year 20 times. That, that Those will get you into trouble. Like jujitsu, fortunately, is not that way, that if you have 20 years of experience, it, you probably have 20 years of experience. <laughs> Now, how did you develop this trust? You know, they're saying that I wish you to trust, you know, yourself. Well, of course, it comes with the experience, but do you feel that at one point you kind of flip a switch? Uh, I think, yeah, maybe the right word is confidence, how you develop confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. And just like everything in life, give things a try. And if it fails, it's okay. Get up and try it again. Try it again and try it again and try it again. And over time, You'll learn where you're good, where you're bad, why you're failed, and you'll build up confidence in yourself through your failures. The worst thing you can do is not try, is to not fail, because if you're not prepared to fail, you cannot ever possibly win. And so in business, you can fail a hundred times, you know, if you if you want to, if that's what's necessary. And the only thing that's gonna matter is your one success. That's the great part about business. There's an infinite you get an infinite number of chances. It's just like on the mat. You can tap a million times. You get an infinite number of chances. You tap out, you try again. It's all the same. Um, yeah, you're going to lose money, and you don't want that to happen, but you keep trying. You keep going after it. Never stop. Yeah, I was I was talking with a friend of mine once that is a business owner, and this business you know, it, it's doing okay, but it could be doing so much better um, because they do have a good product. And I asked, you know, like, man, what do you feel that you need to do to kind of get to another level and he mentioned yeah i gotta do this and i gotta do that and like why you haven't done it yet and like well and got all of his explanations and i said like man here's the deal um if you know what it needs to be done and you're not doing next year and a year from now we're gonna have the same conversation do you understand that and like yeah i know i know da, 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 da. so a year later we kind of got into the same conversation and then i asked what do you need to do? And then he said the same answer. Like, do you remember the conversation we had last year? <laughs> exactly. We're having the same conversation. And I tell you what, next year, there's a good chance you're going to have the exact same conversation if you don't try something. Because whatever he's doing right now, uh, it's not that it's not working, but if you're trying to break through and get to the next level, something uncomfortable needs to happen. Some risk going to have to be taken, you know? That's a, it's a really, really good point. You're going to, I think it, this comes to be a very personal question. If I don't take chances and I have that same conversation you and your friend had, can I live with myself not, I mean, not having had take a chance? I can more easily live with myself and be okay with my life, even failure, because I know I tried, I tried really hard. It just didn't work out. But if I get to the end of my life or I get a little too old and I never tried, I never bet on myself, that would be very, very difficult for me to live with. And perhaps that'll be the same for others. Yeah. And this is, I feel that it's a habit that you basically need to work on or consistently be accepting challenges. And I feel that I, I try to tell people about jujitsu competitions to inspire people to compete because that's one way for it to just mini challenges, mini, and especially the, the mental aspect of the competing. One of the things, for example, we just had a tournament. We're recording this in October, 2019, and we just had a tournament last weekend. 
And on a Friday before I, I did a mental preparation class with my students and talking with them about number one, giving them props for just challenge themselves and going there and about taking risks, but taking risks, uh, let's say during the match, because sometimes this happens so much that I had a chance to work with a lot of high level athletes. And one of the most common patterns that I realized, including myself, was the fear of making costly mistakes in, in matches. And sometimes some of the patterns, the, the negative patterns that you carry in your competition career, it might be reflecting in your personal professional life as well. And I learned so much about my negative patterns through jujitsu and through competition because in situations that this happens so much, uh, I like to call the, the should I stay or should I go scenario. It's like maybe two minutes left and it's, let's say it's tied, zero, zero. And you know that if you stay, you're playing bottom, nothing's happening. The person at top is being pretty safe. You're not in any openings. And then you say, okay, either stay here and wait for a lottery to see who they're going to pick, you know, the winner, or I'll do a plan B. I got out of my comfort zone and try something else. And then when you think about going, doing something else, be like, wait, wait, wait. That's when the negative voice, the dark passenger, I like to, to call, just tell like, wait, if you go and it doesn't work, you're going to lose. And it's going to pass. And if pass, you're going to lose. And you don't want to lose. And when people just, you know, being disappointed in you and da, 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 just stay here. And then what happened at the end, sometimes uh, maybe you're able to win. Sometimes you lose. But when you lose, you're going to be dwelling. Man, why I didn't do this? I should totally try this, try that. And that's exactly what you said earlier. Just for the fact that you pulled the trigger, you went for it, at least you'd be at peace that, you know what? I went for it. At least I'm not going to be wondering how it would be. Da, 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 da. And hopefully you can learn from this experience. So that's something that exactly I tell, right. I tell people. Uh, it's something that I learn about myself and I think maybe fairly young is that when, you know, you know, when you have an idea that is like, okay, it's a normal idea, but then you have that idea that gives you anxiety right away. It's like, Oh my God. You know? So that's the good one. You know, you know, that, that is, that is my trigger for the, to be the, the good idea to execute on and maybe at least explore more. So for all the listeners, when you do have an idea about your business or things that needs to be done and you feel that anxiety, Two things, either you're going to run away, be like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do this. No, 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 it's good. Or you're going to be curious and explore more about it. Not always going to work the way you want. But man, if I have to really listen to my, my negative voice all the time, I wouldn't even be here in the United States to start with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? With <laughs> fear of starting everything new and coming to a different country and all those challenges. But I feel that it's super important for us to be aware of our emotions and feeling the anxiety, like, why am I feeling this way? Why is giving so much anxiety to try this new project or what it's involved? You know what I mean? Exactly right. I mean, sometimes you're going to win. Maybe more often you're going to lose. But at least in jiu-jitsu, you'll, you'll really learn where you're at in a tournament, you know, where you're at mentally, your technique, where you're at physically, your stamina. Most of it you just can't control. You're just going to go in there and fight. And the, the best part about it is win or lose, there's going to be another tournament. You can try again. <laughs> yeah. And I like to say, well, I, I feel that everyone should try at least one tournament as a jiu-jitsu 
practitioner just to kind of see like let me see how how does that feel to actually go there performing under pressure situation and it's kind of part of my spiel that i always tell people that I mean, jiu-jitsu is an incredible personal development tool. Everyone is aware that everyone is listening to podcasts. Maybe you, maybe you, you may not train right now, but at some point you probably train. But it's an incredible personal development tool that you don't have to compete to take advantage of that fact. You know, you don't have to compete. However, if you want to amplify the power of this tool, you can get a lot of, build a lot of your emotional resilience even more. And I'm saying that you're not going to build without competition, but I feel that takes to another level. So you still can, no, you don't need competition for sure. Yeah, we don't need, but man, when you do involve that, that under pressure feeling and dealing with your emotions, dealing with success, failure, expectations, and anxiety, fear, and all that, I mean, it's an incredible growth. You know, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because I'm a big believer in jujitsu as self-defense. Uh, self First and foremost, it's a self-defense uh, system. And when you're in that kind of situation where it comes time to fight and defend yourself or defend someone else, how do we simulate that? We can take classes and seminars, but it's not the same thing. The, the closest thing to actual self-defense situation is a tournament. So when I go to compete, yeah, I'm trying to win the gold medal. I'm trying to win the thing, but it, it's the closest that it'll get you to like, how will you actually perform against somebody else that's trained to fight and fight you? And that tells you exactly where you're at. So that's why I like tournaments a lot because you get to put into practice what jujitsu is for self-defense. Can you defend yourself? Yeah. And um, at the tournament this weekend, we had one kid, he was, he's five he was competing for the first time, which is awesome. I wish I was competing when I was five years old. You know what I mean? This is so cool. And then I was talking with the mom because she was like, of course, first time. She's like, she's trained too, but she was really nervous. And then he did well, but he lost. And I was, uh, and of course he cried because he's upset that he cried. He didn't get hurt or anything. But I was telling him, man, this is so, uh, I said, it's not what, he, of course, it's not the desired outcome. But looking at the big picture, this is so good for him. You know what I mean? He needs to learn about success, failure. You're not going to win every day in life. And it, this, uh, this is something that for kids, competitions, man, uh, there's so much to, to game. Not just jujitsu and overall, but especially in a kind of sport that it's a one-on-one. -on -one. There's not a whole team that you're going to blame someone. It's like, no, nah, buddy, that, that's on you. Okay? <laughs> yeah. You can try to say that the ref did this, he messed up, well, it happened, no. but at the end of the day, that, that's you, okay? <laughs> it's, 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 it's really great that you mentioned that because uh, I think my kids have uh, an advantage of that in life. They've grown up with jujitsu. Um, I've asked them to compete at least once, maybe twice a year. I don't, win or lose doesn't matter. Just try their best. Um, but now that they're getting a little bit older, they have no fear of failure, really. They're willing to try anything. Nice. Um, in life is going to be 99% failures, and that's okay. So they'll, tr they'll just try things, you know, whether they'll apply that they'll try music, they'll try art, they'll try math, they'll try getting a job, they'll try driving. And for them, it's just anything new to learn. Yeah, they're going to fail at it. They're not going to be good at it in the beginning, but they're so desensitized to that. They're just going to keep going, keep trying it, and it ends up doing, being very well. That's great. And so what did you say it's one of the books that have made a big impact on you? Uh, it doesn't matter. Could it be business or personal development? And so a book that you could suggest and why? 
Oh, gosh. Um, this will be very cliche, but I found that it served me very well in both business um, and in jujitsu and in life. And it's the uh, uh, the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meant to be about war, you know, when countries go to war, how to be a general, how to pick battlefields and things. But the lessons that you learn in there can be easily applied to both business and jujitsu. You know, what do you know about your opponent? What do you know about yourself? How do you engage in the fight? Um, How to go about winning and all the strategies for it. All of it is directly applicable to business. Um, It's something that I read at least once every year or two because I'm always learning things from it. Um, it's not the only one, but that's that's one that's a, it's simple enough to read and to understand, and it gives you the concepts. You can always find different books about business and jujitsu to read, but core concepts, I like that one a lot. Yeah, what did you say? Because I, I I like the the book too. I have I read a few different variations. That one is more towards like martial arts or the concepts and stuff. So, what do you feel? It's maybe a one solid takeaway that you got from a from the book that you feel that you utilize, you know, like I said, in business or jujitsu, the understanding. I, for me, I like doing preparation. I like doing my homework well ahead of going into battle or going into a business venture. And there's a one phrase in Sun Tzu, I'll get it a little wrong. Um, If you know yourself and not the enemy, um, you'll might, I think they said you'll win uh, 50-50. If you know the enemy and not yourself, same thing there. the only way to really guarantee success or close to it is to know everything about yourself and everything about your enemy. And then you should not fear the outcome of any battle. So I'll learn as much as I can about the business I'm in, the type of person I am, my jujitsu or whatever it is. And I want to look at the other person, the other business, the market, the customers and learn everything about them. So when I finally show up, I've done all my homework. I know what I'm going to encounter and nothing's going to shock me. Nothing's going to surprise me. I know what to expect. Yeah, that's great. That's definitely a, a yeah. great suggestion uh, for the book because, uh, yeah, I, I, especially this year, I read a, a, a couple of times and just making a lot of notes. And as soon as I finish, I'm like, let me read again. So I, I probably spend like two months working on book. And one of the suggestions that I give to listeners to what I like to do is when I finish a book usually I finish and I go to YouTube and I just put the name of the book and maybe summaries or whatever and I hear people talking about it you know or I listen interview of the author talking about it just to kind of like dive in deeper in the book and usually helps me a lot with just getting even more out of the book so it works really well for me so, so that's a good good suggestion so what are you currently excited about? What's going on with your businesses? What you got? Um, I, th- I think I'm running. I have like three or four businesses right now. But the one that's special to me is a company called Bit Discovery, which I founded about 18 months ago. Um, it's a really strange concept, but uh, most companies online, you know, whether they're large or smaller governments, don't know what they have connected to the internet. They don't know how many websites they have or anything like that. And uh, I'm developing, I developed a product to help them find out what do you own online? It's just that simple. And it's a long standing problem. And it took me about five years to build the technology before I could uh, bring it to market. And now uh, there's uh, several of us working on the company and sales are coming in and it's doing exceedingly well. So we're going to do really well with this one. But it's been a, uh, it's been something I've been working on for six, seven years now. Mm-hmm. And what is another company that are you, um, 
that you have that it's something exciting coming up. You Not know, that one is enough. We need to have more. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get to do paid speaking and engagements in different places like that. Um, right that's good. It's a good little business. Um, but the other one that I really like a lot is uh, I have this co uh, security conference business that I'm a part owner in in Hawaii. So we bring people in from around the world to do talk computer security stuff at, in Hawaii. So we move it to different islands. And the next year, we're going to have a computer security conference um, in May on Maui. So people from all over the world going to fly in and uh you know we're going to have talk high-end computer security stuff with uh on maui one of the most beautiful places on earth so it's a i like that business a lot it's it's not meant to make a particular amount of money it's just fun to bring people together and share knowledge with others right on mm. so getting close to the end of the interview and for for people who are listening for the first time, usually after the interview, I reflect on the interview, create a content from five to 12 minutes with intention of inspiring, impacting, and or improving your life in some way. So I'll reflect on the interview and see what can I share on the top of the interview. And I put the audio, comes with the interview, and then I put on Instagram as well. So people want to go to IGTV. It's at Gustavo Dantas BJJ. So we can watch that. And so, yeah, I'd like to thank you for your time, Jeremiah. I know you're a busy guy, a lot of projects going on and you could be at the beach right now, but you know, <laughs> you're doing an interview. So I appreciate that. It's a, my pleasure. Thank you very much. And you have a lot of fans out there, by the way. Um, I told somebody, a, a friend of mine, what I was doing, and he was already familiar with your podcast. So you have some reach out there. So congratulations. Right on. That's uh, cool. Uh, awesome. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's... Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt and serial entrepreneur Jeremiah Grossman. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Jeremiah is the founder and CEO of Bit Discovery. He's a published author writing extensively on computer security. He talked about practicing leadership. He also shared about the importance of balancing work and family time. And my takeaway from the interview came when we talk about failure which inspired me to title this episode, Be Okay With Failure. I heard once that failure is not only acceptable, it's necessary for your growth. The sooner you fail, the faster you'll be able to learn and grow from it. There is a book called Fail Fast, Fail Often, How Losing Can Help You Win by PhDs Ryan Babineau and John Crumbles. Essentially, the main message of the book is simple. Stop overthinking and start acting. You doing so will help you to achieve the success you desire. Successful people are not afraid of making mistakes and failing. They get out there and try out new things and find out what works and what doesn't. And you should do the same. Be okay with failure. I have mentioned in previous Final Thoughts before that after every experience, you should ask yourself two questions. Number one, what did you do right so you can keep doing in future events or experience? And number two, what would you have done differently to minimize the chance of getting an undesired outcome again? Reflect on it, learn, and grow from it. For example, I was watching an interview with a comedian, actor, and producer Kevin Hart on YouTube with Joe Rogan's podcast, and he gave a great example of how he uses the fail fast, fail often concept. 
At one point in an interview, Joe Rogan asked, where do you practice and come up with your stand-up material? And here is the audio of what he said. Check it out. When you work out your shit now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've seen you at the comedy store, but mm-hmm. only once. Mm-hmm. Like, where, where do you work out your shit? I like to go to random comedy clubs. You know, I think I'll go to New York first. Uh, New York has always been a, a home um, when it comes to building, uh, putting some structure within a set that you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out. Once I got a skeleton of what I want to do, I'll just go to West Palm. Uh, I love that comedy club, the improv down there. And I'll oh, stay that place for, is great. I'll stay for two weeks. Oh, really? And just go and run through some jokes. I'll go to Utah. I'll go to Denver. You do the, like wise guys? Yeah. 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 I'll go to comedy clubs, just random comedy clubs that you wouldn't expect to see me at. But I'll do a hell of a run. And the goal is to get out of there with just a foundation. Mm-hmm. It's not to have a complete set. I just want to get a foundation. So when I'm done getting the foundation, then I'll do a little comedy club run. I'll do a full comedy club run where I just put two or three months in and it's comedy club, comedy club, comedy club. And I'm doing seven shows a weekend Mm. and people are shocked that I'm there and that I'm doing it. But, you know, that's my that's my gym. That's how I work. And I end up leaving that period of time with a complete set after the first three or four months that I spent. Now, after that comedy club, three to four months doing that run, then I take it to like a small theater. I see what my laughter feels like in a small theater, and I do a little run in small theaters. And then when I finally feel like it's at a point where I'm getting the the laugh consistently and the punchlines are working and I flipped it back frontwards, forward, every direction, and my story is a real roller coaster. And it has an ending where I feel like we get off the roller coaster and we're happy, and you don't feel like you were there for an hour. Mm. Is then when I go test it out in the arena. And if the arena, if the laster sounds the way it's supposed to, then I say, okay, I'm ready. If it doesn't, then I'll go back to small theaters and then I'll go to an arena again. So not till that arena sounds the way it's supposed to do I say I'm going on tour. So sometimes it takes me about a year, a year and three months, a year and four months. You know, people don't understand how hard it is to develop an hour of stand-up material. You know, people act like you just turn on a new hour. It's, It's an hour. To get to an hour, you're going through four to five hours of bullshit that you thought was funny. Yeah. To come up to that hour that you finally say, this is going to be the representation of me this year. Yeah. It's a lot for me to do that, especially at this level, you know. How about that for failing fast and failing often? Whatever jokes are not funny, he doesn't dwell on it. He learns from it. He either cuts from the set or tweaks it and move on. Trial and error and the failed attempts that inevitably result often lead to improvements in your skills. He's not afraid of making mistakes. Now, what about you? Are you afraid of failing? Well, I hope not and I hope you have been taking massive action consistently in your personal and professional life. So from what I gather from the Fail Fast, Fail Often book is that most people don't take action because of fear of failure. For those who don't know, in 2014, I wrote the book titled Launching Your BJJ Competition Journey After 30, 10 Steps to Maximize Your Tournament Experience. In chapter one, I share with you the benefits of competing, and I also share why people often don't compete, which is the fear of failure. I'm going to share with you three quick strategies to help you overcome your fear of failure, not only in competitions, but in any area of your life, so you can start to implement the fail fast and fail often concept. Maybe you can say, Gustavo, I don't have fear of failure. 
No problem. I guarantee you that someone in your family or friends struggle with fear of failure, and hopefully these tips can help them. Number one, accept that failure will happen. As I mentioned earlier, failure is not just acceptable. It's necessary for your personal growth. Failure can make you or break you. It can motivate you to improve your skills and address the issue with a different approach. It can also help you to become mentally tougher and more resilient. It's all about how you interpret the event. Life events should not define you as a person. You choose how you want to interpret a tournament loss, a relationship breakup, or a failed business attempt. You can respond to or react to the fact or the event. The choice is yours and only yours. Number two, work on yourself. One of my favorite motivational speakers, Jim Rome, said, quote, work harder on yourself than you do on your work, unquote. Invest in yourself. Work hard on your personal development to discover what is holding you back from being the best you can be. Find the true cause of your fear and resolve it. There are plenty of books and free courses that can help you to give you more clarity. And number three, embrace the fear of failure. I have good news and bad news for you. The bad news is that negative patterns, assumptions, worrying, doubts, and insecurities associated with fear of failure do not disappear. They are part of the human emotion experience that you can never get rid of. The good news is that you can learn how to become conscious of it. Learn how to control your fears, otherwise they will control you. To wrap up, no one likes to fail, but fear of failure can hold you back from amazing opportunities. Taking risks and learning from inevitably failures along the way allows you to live an authentic and fulfilling life. As John Maxwell said, quote, fail early, fail often, but always fail forward. O's. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.